books. Talk about that. God. Listen to it. Poetry. What do you mean? Poetry. Hi, welcome to episode 19 of the CPL podcast. I'm Dan. Mike is also here. And you are graced by my presence, and I am Ravi. And to start everyone out, we've got an interview Loan did with Lee Pirtle, who is the author of the books All About V and Love Meg. This is Lone Lee, and I'm going to interview the author of All About Me. Her name is Lee Pirtle, and let's get started. <laughs> um, first, I'm going to just ask you a few general questions. Um, what is the main driving force behind your writing? Well, I think that I have, I mean, I have always loved books, and I would hope that what I can bring to my readers is a love of books, whether it's my books or other books, just I'd like to encourage people to be reading. I want to entertain them, basically. So how do you, how did you come up with your um, stories, like the character and plot? How do you make them unique? I usually start with like a situation, um, and then from the situation, I come up with characters. So with the with my first book, Love Meg, mm-hmm. which was originally titled Jennifer Anderson is my best friend, um, that situation. The situation that I was looking at there was, um, like I used to work in Burbank, California, and it was right next to the Warner Brothers studio. And I would sit in traffic and there were these huge billboards of, you know, these beautiful actors and actresses. And one of them was the Big Friends cast. And I would sit in traffic and I would look up and I'd see these beautiful people and I'd think, wow, that would be really cool to have friends like that. How would that happen? And so there is my situation, and it's just from there it sort of developed like, well, what if? How, how might that happen? And I came up with a character who could fit in with that, and I thought, well, obviously me, in my, at my particular age, I would probably not be able to get that sort of person as a friend. But maybe someone who was younger, who could write to one of them, um, one of the cast as, as, as a pen pal. And so then it sort of developed from there. I'm like, well, what sort of person would, would be doing that? And that's how it develops. And it's basically a series of what ifs. But it usually starts with a situation, like a physical situation, and then I develop a character from there. That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you always wanted to be an author? Was it your dream when you were younger? That is a timely <laughs> question. Good question is a timely one because I, I was just visiting, because I'm in Cheshire, visiting yeah. my family, and one of the things they asked me to do was to clean out some old boxes. And I was going through these, um, through these old notebooks of mine, and I would, if you had asked me that question a week ago, I would have said, no, I think it sort of developed when I went to graduate school, I studied screenwriting. But when I went, when I went back through my, my books, I realized, oh my gosh, I had collections of bad poetry and lots of short stories and the beginnings of like ideas for stories which I had completely forgotten about yeah. and that dated back to like, junior high here in Connecticut here in Cheshire actually so um, so that was really it was really sort of revelatory for me to see that I had been thinking about writing or I had always been writing it just 
it's just never occurred to me that writing a novel or publishing one would be something that I could actually do. So it's just yeah. sort of, you know, fun. Yeah. So, final question. Um, will there be a sequel that will further detail Veronica's main journey to become a famous actress? There are, my plans are two sequels. Um, I had always envisioned writing, since I had to cut out the other two Vs, um, writing the story of um, Ginny and when she comes to LA, which would pick up right after that book, the first book ends. And then the story of that, which would pick up right after the story of Ginny ends. And it would all take place within the space of a year. And um, and then within each of those books, though, we would see additional characters, characters and also we would see the story of Veronica continue. So yeah, absolutely. Nice. And I know exactly where I want Veronica to be, and I see I see where she is in a year, and, and it's a good it's a good place. So yeah, I love 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 the V's. Yeah. If you can't <laughs> tell, I could write them forever. Every time I sit down with them, I. I just love them. I hear their voices, and you know, they're like they're like my friends. You know, so I, I'd love to more, write more about these. Well, I can't wait for the sequels then. Thank you for coming to answer my interview questions. Well, thank you very much for having me. And now for you, we have a segment titled. What the fetch? We are the strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. In other news, there's a huge legal debate going on in Texas. And as you know, everything is bigger in Texas. Such as the argument on whether ankles do exist or not. I mean, honestly, I don't believe in ankles, yo. I do. I am an ankle supporter, actually. Are you serious, Mike? I mean... I, I don't think I can work with you anymore, man. Robbie, Larry. Dude. What's this on my leg here? Is That's an ankle. I believe that's your, um... Bone. No. no, Robbie, it's an ankle. I disagree. You lose. Fail. I, I believe that it is a part of the foot, and if the foot was taken off the leg, then there would be nothing there except, um, you know. My ankle. No, there wouldn't be your ankle, because it, it'd be just, you know, part of the foot. Robbie, something has to join the foot. Mike, I swear to God, leg. he was asking for a whooping. Ding, 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 ding. Now we have ding, Hannah ding, talking ding, about ding, books. Ding, ding, ding. Hi, this is Hannah, and I'll be reviewing Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. 
Some of you may know the title from the movie that came out a few years ago, and honestly the only reason I picked this up in the first place was because I loved the movie so much and thought I'd see how the book was. It's told from the point of view of Sophie, the oldest of three daughters, which means that she has to inherit the family hat shop instead of going out to seek her own fortune. All of that changes though when the Witch of the Waste comes in the hat shop and puts a spell on her for being rude, which changes her into an old woman. Sophie leaves town unrecognized by her friends and family to find a way to reverse a spell. On the way, she stumbles across Howl's castle. Howl is a wizard with a reputation for stealing out the souls of young girls and is much feared in market chipping where Sophie comes from. However, Sophie, tired and aching, decides to take refuge in the castle where she meets the fire demon Calcifer with whom she makes a pact. He will reverse the spell on her if she can break the mysterious contract that connects him and Howl. But it's up to her to figure out just what that contract is and how she can go about breaking it. She also meets Michael, Howl's young apprentice, and of course Howl himself, whose reputation turns out to be more or less self-inflicted in order to keep his privacy and to keep people from asking him for favors. This is a very imaginative and original fantasy novel and is definitely written with a sense of humor. It was a fun and easy read and refreshing change from typical literature. I got completely absorbed in it and read almost the entire book in one sitting. I love the characters, the writing style, and the little details that made this book so interesting. I highly recommend it, especially to fans of the movie who definitely won't be disappointed. Next up, we have an original story by an author who chooses to be anonymous, and is narrated by Chris Neal. We present to you a CPL podcast original story, Dabidori. For Dabido, owning his own fish market was his version of the American dream. Ever since the years of his youth, he always aspired to grow up and operate his very own fish market, just as his father, David O. Sr. had done. Dave had trained his entire life to become a fish market operator. He had signed up for Fish Market Operation 101 in high school, but sadly, he was the only one and the class was never implemented. One faithful day in March, Dave had received a call from a man in the United States offering him a management position in his fish market based out of New York City. This was the chance of a lifetime for Dave. So he immediately boarded the next flight into JFK International Airport, and would be there the next day. Things were going good in the life of Dave, but he would soon learn that everything is not always what it seems to be. As for me, I was just your average journalist, trying to make ends meet through my photography. My assignment was to follow this guy Dave coming in from Japan. To my superiors, it was one of those lame stories that no one wants to do, so you give it to a guy like me. However, until I'm that high in the ranks, I would be taking David O's picture, which is where I was headed when in the distance, I heard cheering. I held on my camera tightly as I ran towards the noise that seemed to be coming from a fish market. When I finally arrived, there was a group of three Asian men who seemed to have brought an ample supply of fish surrounded by what seemed to be fishmongers. As I neared, I could hear something that resembled an argument. There was a hint of pure rage in the air, like something bad was about to happen. I had turned to one of the mongers and asked what was going on. He said, You see that guy in the middle? His name is Dave. And it turns out that he got offered a job and came all the way from Japan, and now they don't want him to work here. You could feel the tension growing stronger by the minute. 
It was only a matter of time before something happened. Like clockwork, this guy Davido grabbed a fish out of his truck and got ready to throw it at the owner of the fish market. I thought to myself, this story on the cover page of the newspaper could put me on the map. I quickly grabbed my camera and got a few shots off before Davido threw that fish and hit the owner square in the face. Whap! Shortly after, Dave and his comrades were escorted off to the market grounds. I caught up with Dave after and asked him exactly what happened. He simply replied, Yo, my name's Dave, and I'm going home. That was the last I ever saw Dave and his crew of fishmongers. My story got on the front page of the newspaper, mostly because it was one of the most bizarre things to ever happen, along with the fact that nothing else interesting happened that day. My career as a newspaper photographer sprouted from my shot of Dave just about to throw the fish. Life for me is now prospering, and I just hope that back in Japan, the same thing is happening to Davido. And now for some poetry. Building on rice paper and an impeccably clean bathroom. I wonder if the fibers in my bath mat ever feel lonely written in between the lines of plastic mesh, or if the cloth daylilies on the bathroom counter envy the ones they see in store windows, young and fresh from the picking. But cloth daylilies don't ever turn brown and old and droopy. They sit in their jar, smelling in an illusion of aureate summer as sleet licks the windows. And then I wonder if they ever feel indignant of the fact that they were never alive to begin with. The cotton that made them pay the fee to stand in the field, drink ignominious pesticides, and begin, why you no listen. I wonder if cloth daylilies think of pitter-patter, or what the fibers in the bath mat feel when they're pulled free by grubby hands, floating for a sparse second in the steamy-scented air before they hit the tile, and the broom fibers say their hellos. We pay so much for you to have a good life. Why? I'll take my chances with the dust. Hi, Ravi here. I would like to say on behalf of the graduated seniors, Wendy, Mike, myself, and the countless others that have contributed to the podcast, these past years have been an amazing experience. From the last minute recording meetings to the research for What the Fudge, some great times have been had. We'd like to say thank you to Sarah for her undying support of the program and to all the listeners out there. It's been a pleasure. Cheshire Public Library Podcast Episode 19 Hooray! 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 The CPL Podcast is a project of the Cheshire Public Library, Sarah Klein Morgan, Teen Librarian. Voices on this episode belong to Ravi, Mike, Lone, Hannah, Chris, Wendy, Ben, Dan, and C. Lee Pirtle. Podcast editorial board members are Dan, Ben, Marina, Wendy, Hannah, Christine, Ravi, Mike, and Tyler. For more information about the CPL podcast and other programs and services of the Cheshire Public Library, visit our website, cheshirelibrary.org teens, or email Sarah, teen librarian, at smorgan at cheshirelibrary, all one word, dot org. <laughs>